really? You, this would be the perfect time to go drive. If he just got his license, there's nobody on the road. You can yeah. like take him everywhere and it'd be so easy. You've got the open road, dude. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's just we can't stop and do anything. Just but drive. he could social distance and just drive himself everywhere. Kind of it's exciting. Yeah. Ben, are you are you just are you have you are you working still while you're like during this time period? Like, can you still do voice stuff? I so they they um I I sold a script. When does this come oh, out? Oh wow! Congratulations, dude. Thanks, man. Well, it's a pitch. Uh, I sold it to Mitch. <laughs> so awesome! It's so huge. That's great. You're very kind. Uh, this week it's going to come out this week because we want to coincide with the Sonic release. Okay, so I'll tell you guys off air what it is because I don't know when they're going to announce anything. But um, the I sold I sold this pitch before everything, which is great. So this is like my fifth or sixth movie I'm writing for studios, and it's uh, I, it's so hard to concentrate. I'm finding it so hard to write. Uh, I'll get notes. The people, the studio I'm writing it for, they're awesome, and the notes they've been giving are great. I just like I'll I'll be writing, and my hand almost like an addictive tick. We'll take my cursor to Twitter or take my cursor to uh, Gmail or CNN. And I can't stop after writing two sentences, going to that and back. And so I'm trying to learn to shut off my Wi-Fi and put my phone on do not disturb. Give myself an hour or two just to write because I can't I can't control myself. I've never had this before. It's so weird. I completely understand where you're coming from, because I and and just uh, as somebody who I, I need structure, I need time. I need like blocks of day to do things. I'm with, I, and if I don't do that, I won't, I just, I'll keep pushing it off because there's no true deadline for some of these things. And you just keep going and going and going and pushing it off. So we get yeah. it. Yeah. So. Hey, can we make a deal that if we get it to minute 40, that Sean has to play a song on his acoustic guitar that's behind him? Yes. Yes. I'm super self-conscious about what's behind me now. <laughs> hey, I, I'll get my guitar too. You want to do a whole freaking show? We can do it, man. I'm down. If we hit 40 minutes, we get we get Jake throw out his pearly whites and you guys you guys play your guitars. I will, I will happily be, uh, be your band-aid. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the box set? what's the box set next to Greenland? Oh, the Irishman. They gave you a special one because you're special. Well, it's like a That's big like a making book. of photo book. Um, so oh, here's my exciting. weird. I'm going to describe to you my OCD uh, filing of DVDs behind me. Hey, you're talking to someone who has a slight OCD, too. This is going to be great. I can't wait. They are grouped by uh, director, by filmmaker um, to a certain extent. The two the two top shelves are grouped by um, franchise. So like I have all the the MCU movies. I've got the Indiana Jones movies, all the Karate Kids. There's Lord of the Rings, Ghostbusters. If you're a franchise, you get your own little section. Uh, if you are a comic book movie, you get your own little section. It makes and no then down sense. Below it starts directors. It makes no it, sense. It makes sense <laughs> here. It makes sense up here. Yeah. Perfect. Like my wife is the one who did all this. Like she's the one who put all of this together. Well, see, now I'm getting jealous because I want to turn my camera because I've got stuff no. too. Do it. Turn your camera. I can show you nerdy stuff. Please. Hold up. Speaking of have, nerdy have, stuff. Have, hey. Oh, you're a good man. <laughs> oh, I have one of those. I have one, I steal a prop from everything I've done, but this is the one that everybody loves the most. Can you see it or no? Wait, is that is that John Ralphio's uh, tombstone? Yeah, that's no, it's yeah. not. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yes. I have to be careful what we say because it feels just like friends hanging out. That's oh, awesome, awesome man. Oh. I have that. I have some extra middle edition sports posters. We made limited edition posters. So Dave Clock gave oh, yeah, me a couple I there. I saw and a guitar have, back there, Ben. Come I on, see dude. A guitar back there too. I see a guitar back there too. This is going to be a rusted root jam session. <laughs> 
Justin, send me on my way. Sure, let's go. These are props, these are props from almost everything I've ever done. Oh, wow, nice. oh, dude. Oh, uh, this is a hat that I got from Shanling uh, before he passed oh. away. Oh, wow. my God. It's my, one of my favorite shows of all time. It is top five for me. Josh Weinstein gave me uh, the Bart vs. Australia script of Simpsons. Oh, that's awesome. What else do I have? Oh. Um, I have nerdy stuff from stuff I've done. This is all Parks and Rec props and stuff. I don't know if you can see. That's incredible. Yeah. Dude, wow. that's so cool. This is, oh, this is a great one. This is when I was on set of episode oh. uh, nine. I was on the Millennium Falcon, and I tried to take a tiny piece of insulation, and it kept ripping. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! This was a thing inside Luke Skywalker's cave for nine. Oh. That was episode seven stuff. Those are the, the thing. That's what I wrote for the Oscars. That's what I wrote for freelance for whatever. These are all the Kid Robot. I don't know if you guys collect Funko or Kid Robot yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Absolutely. This is a, like a wonderful person designed all these knit things of Parks and Rec characters. Love and then it. they did one of BB-8. Wow. And then just. Oh, my time. God. Look at that. Back yeah, in the future board. board, man. Hell yeah. yeah <laughs> nice. that's, but that's just like a memorabilia. You know, like how you can just go online and get that. Yeah. That's plastic, man. That's from The Walk. This is from when I did Lego Movie. Yes. Dude, this I, is when I wrote and won one of those somehow. <laughs> that's I awesome. Still, I, I still, the walk in IMAX 3D is still one of my favorite experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. That was It was a, crazy. That was a mind-blowing experience. That was incredible. Yeah. Anytime I do a talk show, because I started by freelancing, I get the mug that I was drinking with when I was on there. Can you oh, ask for that? They, 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 they let you take that? Yeah, they let you take it. And then Larry King, I got a pair of his suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> These are all my Super Nintendo games that I still yes! have. Yes, dude. Wait, wait, yeah, where's Donkey Kong? Where's Donkey Kong? Come on, man. Yeah, you could probably say a game and I can nail it out. <laughs> this is one of the best games ever made of all time. Hold. I don't oh, know if you guys yeah. like video games. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh nice. Awesome. You got a 64 up in there? No, I, I stopped at Super Nintendo, then I picked it back up at a at PlayStation Two. Oh, um, awesome. The only th- I borrowed my cousin's PlayStation to play uh, Final Fantasy VII, and then that was it. And then, then I got some Sonic stuff, some fun like posters and stuff like that. Here's a mini Hattori Hanzo sword. Oh, that's and cool. <laughs> this is the one that Uma Thurman actually used. What's your favorite? What's your favorite DVD that you guys have? Oh, I know mine. Oh. Hold on. Hold on. And surely you guys have collected so many things from those press stuff throughout the years. Oh yeah, far too. Yeah, many. we got some got some stuff. All right, here we go. Jake, there's, there's nothing. Let it be known that there's nothing behind Jake right now. This is my prize, <laughs> my prize possession right here. What is that? This is the entire season, of, entire uh, series of Breaking oh. Bad. And they, re- they released a money barrel version of it. And um, my wife got it for me for my birthday. Oh. And every time I interviewed someone from the cast... I would get them to sign it. So like Brian and, and then look, uh, Aaron wrote, yeah, bitch. Amazing. And Amazing. a gun. I mean, it was, it was, it was it's still, I don't know if you're watching Better Call Saul or if you've seen Breaking Bad, but it's like, ugh, it's, you've Breaking seen Bad, I've seen it. I never saw Better Call Saul, but I love Breaking Bad. I'm watching Dude, it now. It's good. Watch Saul, man. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. It's Breaking Bad level good once it gets to season three and four. Um, it's like mm. that good. Nice. Dude, thanks. Um, that's cool. I, I did a uh, thing on the wall. On the on the turn around the corner here, and it's a bunch of frames of things I've been able to do. Um, Mich- my wife won't let me hang anything up around the house, <laughs> <laughs> so she keeps everything stuck in this because it would just spill over. It would go everywhere. So I've been to the set of both Spider Man's my favorite character of all time. I've been able to go to both of the sets for Homecoming and Far From Home, 
But I pulled this one. That's my favorite one. I got to bring the boys to the um, world premiere of Ready Player One. Oh, and, come uh, on. They had it at the Dolby. Um, yeah. And we all wore our Spielberg shirts and I got to bring them. But they, the only thing they wanted to do was go to that tool, uh, double lever, a layer footlocker that's on Hollywood Boulevard right <laughs> yes. there. Yes. Yes. And, and it's like Spielberg came out to introduce the movie and they were just like, but like tomorrow, can we go to the footlocker? And I was like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, I need you to just focus with me right here now because- Spielberg's out here talking to us. <laughs> Stop! You can't do live props. Yeah, dude, well, that, that, that's cheating. Everybody was showing stuff off, and I wanted to show something off too. <laughs> All right, you know what? If we're doing that, hold that's on. A mic drop. He brings his wife, and we all get really uncomfortable. He carries in his wife like that. We're like this is not. No, 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 no. What's the name of your doggo? Oh, this is Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go get my dog on hey, Go, go get one of your sons, Sean, and hold him. Wow. Hold him like. Good, beautiful. <laughs> we should start our interview. We should start an interview. Yeah, yeah. we should. We should yeah, go because yeah, Gabe is, is upset with us. I don't know. For me, see, yeah, showing that uh, the stuff around the house that that made my day. So thank you. That was fun. Thank you for doing. Show, when we're done, I'll show you some other little privacey stuff that I think you guys would dig. Cool. All right, let's do it up. Ben Schwartz, thank you for joining us. This is absolutely uh, an honor to have you on the show. Um, but obviously, before we start getting into movie talk and, and what have you been doing? How, how have you been holding up at home? Uh, have you been getting any work done? What, what, what's new with you? I've been it's been fine. It's scary. It makes my like for I'll have these little bouts of anxiety that I don't see coming or like I don't know, or I'll read an article at night and then wake up in the middle of the night, like halfway through my sleep being like, what is happening? But um, outside of that, I mean, uh, quarantined just in case I have nothing's going on, but quarantine just in case and um, eating like a a lot of chocolate and cookies and stuff like that. (laughs) Playing a lot of video games. It is. I will come. I keep I'm just now being like, all right, I got to chill out or I'm going to be like I'm going to gain lots of weight. Um, video games have been huge. I beat Chrono Trigger. I put 15 hours into a video game and beat, and beat that. <laughs> and then, uh, in terms of working, there, we have Middle Ditch and Schwartz coming out in three weeks. So we're, well, we, and we're handed in all of our finals, which is great. And now we're just working on all the trailers and stuff. And then, um, uh, and then we're working. Oh, and then I, I, a script. I always script. So I'm working on that, but it's hard to stay concentrated on it. I find myself going away from it and back every time, but, um, I have something to do, which is good because if, you know, if people that are just actors kind of might not have as much to do unless they want to create stuff around their house, which I think would be amazing or zoom with people. But, um, yeah, so that I've been trying to concentrate on that writing thing, but it's been very difficult because, you know, I'll, I'll watch John Oliver, I'll, I'll look at CNN and I'll, it'll get me a little bit nervous and stuff like that. Uh, you didn't have to see Krasinski's, uh, good news <laughs> report or network thing that he did. Did you No, what's John? that? John Krasinski did something on YouTube this morning and it dropped and he just like he solicited good news from people on his timeline, on his Twitter feed. And then he like turned it into a news broadcast where he just reported on good stories. It's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And Steve Carell joined him uh, on during the good news broadcast and they had like an office 15 year reunion or something. Oh, come on. That's amazing. Check it out. You got to check it out. I got it. That's a great idea. I was trying to do this thing. We used to do that uh, an improv show that someone started before me that I jumped into later on, which is called director's commentary. 
And I was thinking, and what it is is we'd watch a movie and we'd all pretend to be like, like, hi, I'm Steven Spielberg and hi, I'm Harrison Ford. And then we <laughs> pretend to do the commentary. So I was thinking about doing a Zoom with a bunch of improvisers and allow Twitter to pick whatever movie we do. And then oh, we would funny. pretend to do the director's commentary for that movie. I think that, like, I'm trying to think of things and then I'd get a little <laughs> bit inspired to do a bunch of stuff. And then I'd just be like, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I can just lose, <laughs> lose all that push immediately. I would pay a lot of money to listen to you do a Harrison Ford. Ford impression the entire time while commentating on like Empire Strikes Back or something. That would oh, be amazing. See, that would be a perfect one to do. <laughs> that would be so fun. Get like Taron Killen to play Harrison Ford because he does a perfect Harrison Ford. Just uh, talk about how, how over it he is. <laughs> he just grumbles every movie. five minutes. He doesn't really say anything. He just like grunts every couple of minutes. <laughs> there was one that we, that I, I don't know if I was in or I was watching, but Rob Hubel, uh, who's a really funny improviser, he was a UCB in Chelsea and he was pretending to be the stunt coordinator for some action movie we were watching. And um, every two seconds, he would just be like, uh, when there's a, uh, like a big stunt action scene, he'd be like, that's me. No, that's him. That's me. That's him. <laughs> and it made, it made me die. Uh, so I was thinking about putting, like every night, because improv, it's, it lends itself so much to this because we don't need to prepare anything. So I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a fun way to like use it, but it's not like a show, but it's like, you know, people can join in or blah, blah, blah. So that was one of the ideas. That's cool. Uh, Ben, I don't want to hit you with a hard question off the oh, bat. Oh, Sean, we're, we're, I can't we're wait. journalists. Well, yeah. I mean, we had, this is what we do. Um, on your Instagram, uh, <laughs> a few posts back, you have a really sweet video of uh, you're racing a little girl in a movie theater. Uh, it looked like a Sonic oh, post yeah. screening Q and A. Yeah. So I, I just need you to tell me: Did you let her win? Of course I let her in. What are you, nuts? <laughs> I could kill that girl. I could destroy that girl. I hope she's watching this podcast now. I let you win. Know that for the rest of your life, that an adult man let you win. <laughs> God, I can't believe you got that out of me. I feel like that's been, like, building inside of you for the past few weeks. Uh, thank you so much, Jake. I, I um... I uh, have bitch. I mean, because she has been taunting me. That I, she keeps telling me I'm nothing. Well, her mom tweets. She's very, very young. But she, her mom would tweet at me and say that I'm nothing. And I, I can't. I, I don't need to hide anymore. We're in quarantine. She can't come and right. get me. You know what I mean? Not yet. Anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, for real, though, you guys had a massive opening weekend um, in terms of box office for Sonic. And it seemed, you know, to sort of fly in the face of this. It was like an apprehension, you know, nobody really knew what to expect from it. There was a redesign. It was, and then it opened huge and you guys haven't had a chance to really take a victory lap. I'm just curious what those numbers felt like. What, what was that opening weekend like for you guys? It was crazy. It was crazy because if you cut back blank months ago, uh, when the redesign happened and when that first trailer comes out, um, it's, it's just, I mean, to, 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 to take the input of people, like to take the input of fans for Paramount and Jeff and uh, Toby and Neil Moritz to, you know, listen and see, see what they wanted to do and find a different path in doing it. Um, and then it working is, I mean, it, I don't know how many times that's ever happened. If that's ever happened before, you guys would know more about this than I do, but it, it it's, uh, so to get the gratification of people really enjoying the movie, and then going like it was uh, it was everywhere. And we 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 got such a bigger opening weekend than anybody thought. And then we just the funny thing is right before right before it was over, we passed Pikachu as domestic, the biggest video game domestic opening of all time, which was, you know, unthinkable at the beginning. <laughs> and now it's it's it makes me so happy because the script didn't change, you know, outside of us adding some jokes here and there, the script was always what it was. My performance was kind of always what it was. So it's like, um, 
it, it allowed people to see the movie that Jeff was making the whole time and not just concentrate on something that may not have made them uh, as enthused as they are now. So it's like, it, it made, it, I'm, I cannot tell you how happy we were. And when it started to hit, we were all on a text chain um, going back and forth, celebrating. And, you know, I, I've done a lot of things and a lot of movies and stuff. And never have I been in something that I was such an integral part of that has that blew up like that. So for me, it was very special. So that's like when you when you say, uh, Sean, like racing that little girl, um, P- Paramount was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do anything to say thank you. Like, and you would, you saw me, I went to theaters, I did, and I, you, we don't get paid for it. It's like the fun part, you know what I mean? So I went everywhere and tried to say hello to kids and inter- and did some video stuff to interact with kids and, and did as much as I could because uh, I realized how lucky that was that we got that. And then um, it might've been the last big one before the quarantine thing. So um, I feel really lucky and uh, to say, to be able to go out there and say, thank you. And then like Kid Cudi loved it and had seen it twice. So he rented out a theater and all of his fans came and they were like so genuine and positive and lovely. And so we went there and did that. Like uh, I'm really impressed how Paramount's handled everything. And also I'm so happy that I got to say thank you to so many people in theaters while we were still allowed to go in theaters. That's awesome. You know, Ben, speaking of, of Pikachu and, and, and the other sort of uh, video game movies out there, you guys are sort of an anomaly in that Sonic is a good movie and like a good video game movie. And I say that because most video game adaptations have honestly kind of sucked. Like why someone hasn't made a legit great Metal Gear Solid movie, I'll never understand. But like I like Mortal Kombat. I grew Sorry. up on Mortal Kombat, but it doesn't necessarily make it a great movie anyway. But like, I'm sort of True. curious as to like. Everyone pretty much universally agreed that you guys are like one of the very few great video game adaptations that's ever been made. So from your perspective, you're obviously a video game fan. What did you guys do right that other video game movies never quite figured out in the past? What a great question. Um, I, I don't know. See, I don't I don't know what it is. I, I, I was a, such a video game fan growing up that I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie when I was a kid and didn't know it was bad because I was a kid and I love Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... Uh, Bob Hoskins is great. I mean, I'm also even... I th- wasn't... wasn't uh, who played M. Bison in Mortal Kombat? Ooh, I don't know. Who Good was question. M. Bison in Mortal Wasn't it an incredible Wait. actor? Well, I thought M. Bison was... Street Fighter. Am I, am I, oh, Street Fighter. Sorry, 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 sorry. Who Wait. played M-, M. Bison in Street Fighter? Oh, um, is it John Claude Van Damme? John- oh, um, no, no, no. He played Guile. Well, the bad guy oh. was um, who was the, who was uh, 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 Raul Julia. It was Raul Julia, right? Let me see. Yes. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. I remember that because there's like some great actors that have been in uh, video. Like Raul Julia is an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we. I don't know what to say as as if to say what we did different. I can tell you what we didn't. Hopefully, it shines through. Is that like. Um, I think Fowler let us play. Jeff Fowler let us play. If you have Jim Carrey, you let him play. Uh, we had a great script. We had a great script. By, uh, uh, the, the two writers that wrote it were incredible. And so we used that, but then also he would let us play. And one of the things that I did, because uh, I love voiceover and I've been doing it for a while, was um, I would ask him to see what we've already done. If, uh, and I can't see Sonic. I just see illustrations or like roughs of him. And I'd be like, hey, I can think of better jokes for this, this, and this. I want to do this over again. Uh, because I was really invested. I really wanted it to be good. So I did that often. And Jeff, who didn't have to, would give me his computer while he's in a different room. I'd rewatch the parts we've done. And if I thought of something different or better, I'd do it. But I think 
I think it was uh, the script, uh, the character, and also we had like Neil Moritz and Toby who've done these movies with action before. So all the action sequences work well. And I remember when I rewatched the movie, I don't think we overdo it, which is a thing that I see oftentimes when I see big action films, is that it's like action, 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 hard, 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 joke, 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 action, action. This one, it's like the action is really spread out. You get invested in the characters. The whole the way that I was playing Sonic was like, you know, if you care about him like a little kid, uh, and, and he has the emotion of a little kid and, and you feel like that, then you'll be more invested when the good happens and when the bad happens. So I really tried to plug that in. Um, and I think it paid off because I think people cared about all the characters uh, at the time. But I don't know what we did different. I, I do know that Jeff let us play. And um, I mean, they, they worked their butt off. The special effects look amazing. And I think we just got lucky that Jim Carrey just happened to decide that he yeah. wanted to do, do this movie because Jim Carrey being it, it just legitimizes the whole thing. And then also it's just, he's like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do comedy. Like the type of comedy that you've seen me do back in the day. I'm going to do that again. He can do everything. And he's like, I'm going to choose. I never thought we were going to see that Jim Carrey ever again. I mean, I, I watched it. Uh, when I watched it for the first time, I literally went to, we were in a small little theater. It was just like, I think three or four people. And um, I was like, oh my God, because I wasn't on set. So the first time I saw Jim Carrey stuff was when I was getting screened. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, he just, we are so lucky. He just decided this is the movie he's going to do this again. And then we just happened to be and we'll go to screenings and people, they'll ask Q&A's and one of the, you know, like when they're testing the movie at the beginning, they're like, oh, what did you like? Do you know who Jim Carrey is? And they're like, no, who is he? And I was like, this is how you this is crazy because it's a whole different generation of kids who haven't seen Ace Ventura, The Mask or stuff like that. So we got very, very lucky. Um, but man, it takes a great director uh, and a great producer to make. There's so many things that have to work well, not only the design and the CG and on the VFX for everything, but also like James Marsden has to be a straight man that you care about. And you know what I mean? And all the jokes have to work off of him. So it's it's all, all these things that everybody did well. Tika, uh, everybody was great. And even Adam Pally, who has a small role in it, crushes. Every time he's on screen, he gets a big laugh. Tika's amazing. It makes you care about the relationship and all, all the people that are layered throughout. Uh, the guy who plays Agent Stone with Jim Carrey is a perfect foil for him to really show off the stuff he does. So we got lucky that the script was great. Uh, Jeff did a great job directing it. And then, um, yeah, I, I think we just it was just a good it was like a good script. I think that's what all all, all movies kind of start with that. And I want to jump in on that, too, just because um, instead of making you circle back around to Carrie, like it, I, I kind of assume with animation, you do your voice work so early in the process. And then you you kind of said you caught up to what he was doing later on when it screened for you. Like, were you able to then sort of adjust to what? Because when I finally got a chance to catch up with the movie, it's settling into its groove. It's introducing Sonic. You know, it's we're sort of going along, setting up Marsden. But when Robotnik shows up, it becomes a totally different movie. Like it shifts into a gear. And like Jake kind of said, it's a nostalgia that washes over you because you're, you're just like, oh, really? Carrie came to play, you know? Yeah. So when in the process did you even see what he was doing and how did it sort of affect what you were like? Oh, man, I got to get into another thing here. There was, it was it, it, the, the cool thing is it never kind of changes my performance because it didn't like I kind of was locked into kind of what I thought he would do was doing. Yeah. But the fun thing is, uh, especially for someone who's an improviser, I get to see the exact takes Jeff is going to use. So I can I know exactly it's like it's like literally recording this and just recording your side and me being like, OK, he says this word. I can make his joke pop more if I do this or I can get a joke off of this if I do this. So I can either set Marsden up or I could take Marsden's like look like that and be like, come on. You know what I mean? Like and play yeah. with it, knowing that on my side, I can add a little bit of length either way until they start animating. So like I have a little bit more room or blah, blah, blah. so we would we would do a bunch of other stuff. And the first time I saw it, I went to I went to um, 
set once because they needed me to put dots on my face and we needed to do a whole thing. And um, when I went there, Jim Carrey was dressed as Robotnik and he was doing a scene. He was doing the scene where he's in the big flying egg pod and they had him on hydraulics and he was dressed as him and he had the mustache and he had the red whatever. And I got to see him do a couple takes and I go, oh my goodness. And, and Jeff is like, yep. And I was like, oh, <laughs> baby. And, so, and then like I got to talk to him. Um, which was huge. And I was very, very nervous because he meant a lot to me. When I was growing up, I had, I uh, remember back in the day when you, like for colleges, you would have like a small little, small little TV screen. And on the bottom of it was a VHS player in it. Like, so it was like, yeah. A, yeah. So my Combo sister unit. had, yes, my sister yeah. had one of those and she had gotten a better TV. So I took that and I plugged it into the closet across from my toilet <laughs> and I would watch Dumb and Dumber and stuff like that while going <laughs> yes. to the bathroom. And spend like way too long just like watching. And so because I had all those VHSs and I was like, oh, what can I do with this that I can't do with my normal VHS player? I was like, I could put it in weird places. (laughs) I I, I did stuff like that. But one of the biggest things you have to give it up for is Jeff, but also Patrick Casey and Josh Miller, who wrote the script. They, they did an amazing job. They crushed it. And also they would give different punch ups throughout and they were around the process from table read to the end. Um, and they're good dudes and they love the property. So the, the idea that we had good writers and a good director, uh, we, we lucked out. Now, do you see wild carry stuff that didn't make it? No, I haven't seen any. Uh, I haven't seen any like the deleted stuff. I hope that there was there's this whole I don't think they got the. I think I can talk about this. Uh, we did a test. So the way that it all started, I think I talked to Kevin about it a while ago or maybe Jake. But it was like, uh, Sean, you refused to talk to me. But um, <laughs> the. We did a test at the very beginning when they were trying to sell it. So I don't know where the rights went from, but the rights went to, uh, Neil Moritz had the rights and he's trying to sell it to a studio. And so to sell it, they want to make a test video, like a five minute test just to show what Sonic is, then give it to all the studios and see who wants it. And they asked me because I had a Miller, I had a meeting with Tom, Tim Miller who did Deadpool and, you know, is a brilliant, wonderful dude. And he's like, oh, we're doing this Sonic. We're going to do a test for Sonic. Uh, Jeff is going to be directing it. And I was like, oh my God, I love Sonic and. I talked to I talked to Jeff about it. Oh, let me shut off. Something's beeping. My dryer's done, guys. Wait one second. Yes. <laughs> or else you're beeping. We're gonna keep this going because this is hilarious that Ben is at home doing laundry while we're interviewing him. Just to clarify that that, that is part of our audio right now. Big time celebs <laughs> taking a break in the middle of our interview. Celebrities, they're just like us. To change his laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this might be a good opportunity to bring Ben in on bathroom blend because he, <laughs> he was just talking. Yeah, about like I know what his answer would be. I know. I need to know the answer to that question. What happened? Uh, <laughs> we have a game that we play on the show um, yeah. at the end of each episode. It's called the blend game. Obviously, our show is real blend where we um, will come up with a topic or a celebrity or a director. And then we'll ch- pick when the game started. We would argue what we thought was the best entry uh, by this person. Then we decided to make it a little more personal and we uh, tell what our favorite uh, film by this person or performance by this person. Uh, sometimes we do genres for a little while. We did decades. It got to be a lot 80s of fun. 80s blend, Spielberg blend, Zemeckis blend. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin has been pushing for bathroom blend yeah. for, for since <laughs> the inception of the game and we uh, refuse. I'm a little bit more on the fence. Jake legitimately does not want to play what bathroom is ba- blend. What is bathroom blend? Describe well, a bathroom well, blend. You just brought up like Dumb and Dumber, which arguably has one of the greatest bathroom scenes in the history of cinema with Jeff Daniels. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, yeah. he should have won an Oscar for that performance on that toilet. So um, it would be a scene that you would bring up that is your favorite yeah. scene that takes place in a bathroom. Uh, Jake does not want us to stoop to this level. 
Kevin, Kevin, Kevin's Jake is arguing classy. for it. Look at the backgrounds of both of you guys and look at the backgrounds of Jake and understand that Jake <laughs> yeah. is classier. I know. Look at the it's crappy microphones you guys design. use. Look at the spit filter he's got in front of his microphone. You guys are trash. Jake is beautiful. You understand. This audio is absolutely staying in the podcast. Oh, it's unbelievable. Ben, what is your favorite bathroom scene in a movie? I have to ask this. Oh, great question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, 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 this counts as bathroom blend, by the way. We're done after this. I don't know. You have to. Th- I would have to think about it. I would have yeah. to think about it. Van you Wilder has a good spot. one. It's not. A, it's not a thing you could rush into. <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to have that answer. At your Thank fingertips. you. I appreciate that. That'd be so yeah. weird if I did. There's a it game that we play. I'll get back to the similar story. But there's a game that we play that you guys would be incredible in, and we may do it around. Maybe we do one round around the horn real oh, quick. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, it's a game. I forget who taught me this game. I don't think I invented it. I can't imagine I did. But you say an actor or an actress, and then. You have five seconds to say a movie he or she has been in. Yes. And you go around the horn and you only have five seconds. Okay. Let's do we, it. You want to do it now? Let's do it. But Let's you can, everybody has to put their hands. You have to put their hands in the air because you cannot use your computer. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What's the order? Wait. What's the order? The order is, okay, so you're right, because everybody's screen is not my screen. So I would right. say it goes, I'll go, I'll, I'll pretend that I'm in the, it'll go me Right. Kevin, Jake, Sean, okay. me, Kevin, okay. Jake, Sean. Okay, and then so right. so just uh, practice idea. So you would you would say a movie <laughs> or a name. Uh, how how right, do you? So play? let's use let's use Bruce Willis right now as a practice. This is just okay, a practice. Sure. All right. So I would say I would say Die Hard. Okay, right. and then Jake, and then I would have to name another actor in Die Hard. No, no, you just have to think of another movie that he's been in. Oh, okay. oh all right, that's fine. So we just keep doing Bruce Willis titles. Correct, but you only have five seconds. You only have five seconds each, so it quickly becomes that you're down to the bottom of the barrel. Sure, sure. I also understand that I will, I will lose first, but I want to see what happens when you three go at it. So I will do. A, I'll do one that has a lot of. I will start it. I will start it. And Don't then- do Raul Julia. <laughs> <laughs> there is also another game where you say an actor's name and then you have to think of someone else who's been in that movie and you go through. Whatever, I think, I think that's the game, Kevin. That's the game played. Jake and I have yeah. played. Yeah. Okay. That is, which is very fun. Okay. We're going to do a big, we're going to do a big, le- we're going to do a legend, but we're going to do a legend who just got out of, oh, I'm going to show you. Oh, I have a, I have a, so, all right, never mind. Uh, his, okay, it's going to be uh, Tom Hanks and I'm going to start. Oh God. That's okay. Jake's favorite actor of all time. Okay, great. But Jake only has five seconds. Hey, wait, Gabe, can you can you put yourself on the screen too, so you can count down and tell us when we're at zero? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh yeah, we're, this is the oh, best yeah. interview we've ever done for the time. <laughs> okay, right? So, Gabe, literally all you yeah go. Okay, then you ju- you just uh, you just unlocked Gabe's favorite thing in the world is telling us when to stop talking. So, <laughs> thank you for doing. That. Okay, great. Gabe, all you have to do is somehow count down with your fingers. Okay, so yep. for each one, and when your fist for a zero, when you hit fist, that per- you go, eh, and then you say that You're person's out. name, and you have to exactly. say a sentence about why they lost, and then and then that person. Ah. <laughs> In a deeply personal response. Oh man, very personal. Go into their diary. Okay, ready? So I'm always going after Sean, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Ben, I'm Kevin, Jake, Sean. Sean. Yep. Yes. Okay, here we go. Kevin, Jake, and Sean. You'll f- you'll forget because your mind will screw up. And if they get a movie that he's not in, they're out. You have to out him. So you on you put on IMDb in your thing, Gabe. Or if you repeat a movie that someone said too. That's correct. You can't repeat the same movie. Sequel sequels work though. You're allowed to use sequels. Jake is bad at games, by the way. But you cannot say if if there's like if you do Alvin and if you do Alvin and the Chipmunk, but you say Alvin and the Chipmunk two, but forget to say the squeakquel, you lose. Oh. oh. Okay. All right. By the way. 
I also like how we stopped a real a real conversation <laughs> to play. Oh this. yeah, we bailed out of it as quick as possible. Sonic's on demand, by the way. Be sure to buy it. Uh, all right, Gabriel. When you say go, I'm going to say the first one. It'll go for me to Kevin. Big. Road to Perdition. Toy Story. Toy Story Two. Toy Story Three. Catch me if you can. The Burbs. Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> Bachelor party. Cloud Atlas. Green Mile. Green Mile. Sully. Uh, Forrest Gump. The Post. Philadelphia. The Money Pit. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, a Terminal. Oh, my Saving God. Pri- oh, shit. Uh, Bridge of Spies. Saving Private Ryan. Bonfire of the Vanities. <laughs> um... I'm out. I forget one. Five seconds is too quick for me. All right, good. I'm out. Now it's you three. You've got mail. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Punchline. Sleepless in Seattle. The Simpsons movie. Nice. Fuck, he's in the Simpsons movie? God. I'm out. Kevin! Philadelphia? Anyone say that yet? I already said it. I said it. Dang it. Of course. Of course, Jake wins, Thomas. Tell me more about how I'm bad at games. When did, Sean, when did you lose? I blanked. I didn't oh. come up with one. Shit. Wait, uh, you know what? <laughs> Very All right, here's what I'm going to do. And um, this is this is just me being like us being film journalists. Let's let's bring this back to Sonic by doing the game with Jim Carrey. Oh, great. I love it. Let's go. Let's start. But start start starting on starting on. on Ben. All right. Starting on get ben. Gabriel. So, get Gabriel back in the room. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then we got to get back to an interview. All right. All right. This is great. All right. <laughs> you good? Gabriel, tell us when to start. Ace Ventura. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Uh, The Truman Show. Um, The Majestic. Ooh, I oh, like good. The Majestic. Great. And you know, Jim Carrey loves that movie, too. The Mask. Kevin, you're on the clock. <laughs> the Mask. <laughs> Eternal oh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. God damn it. Um, he was in Batman, um, Forever. <sighs> Not duck soup. What is it? Earth girls are easy. Oh, good one. Eternal sunshine on the spotless mind. I said that. Used. Oh, oh you're done. Did Kevin, you really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Liar, liar. Oh. Um. Can it be TV shows? You're out. You're out. No, God, just movies. I'm bad at this Mi- game. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Oh, good one. Ooh. Um. I love you, Philip Morris. The Grinch. Oh. Ooh, um, once bitten. Um, a Christmas Carol. Oh, oh good. Zemeckis. Fuck. Zemeckis, too. Um, oh, uh, Man on the Moon. Oh, great one. That'll take me out, I think. <laughs> Horton Hears a Who? I just guessed. I don't know if he's in it. Is he? Oh, no, that's Steve no, Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Oh. <laughs> Jake wins twice? That seems like bullshit. Tell me more about how I'm bad at games. I'd love to hear it. It's <laughs> a great game. <laughs> well, how fun is that, by the way? That's awesome. It's so much fun. And then it's the worst awesome. is, so now, like, I'll click on Jim Carrey, and we'll see all the ones we missed, and we'll be like, oh. Well, I thought of the number 23. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. I don't know why I oh, went no to one said Dumb show. and Dumber. Did anyone see Dumb and Dumber? No, or Dumb and Dumber 2, or Lemony oh. Snickets. Oh, oh Lemony Snickets. Yep. Bruce, Bruce Almighty. 
Bruce Almighty, Jesus. I was going to say Dumb and Dumber, and I thought someone already said it, so I said Eternal Sunshine, which somebody already said. So I just went down the wrong path on that. Oh, one. Yes Man? He was oh, a yes I'm man? sorry. Jim Carrey is in Horton Here's a Who. He plays Horton. Oh! Wait, is he really? All right, you know what? Number 23. All right, <laughs> I would have been, been out from there. Wait, so, so, <laughs> so does Ben win that round? No, 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 no. I just don't lose as bad. But I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Tim Kevin, Miller. Get us back into this interview. <laughs> Tim Miller. I was ever Tim Miller, and they go, would you play the voice? And I said, yeah, because I'd done DuckTales and a bunch of other stuff, and they, they were a fan of mine. And then we made a, a short, and in the short, a Reed Scott was playing the James Marsden character, and it was just a thing of, like, Sonic going by, and it was that scene where Marsden was kind of, like, clocking him, kind of. I like and so they, they, that was the scene that we did and I improvised a whole bunch during it and they used that to sell to the studios and uh, there was a point where they were going to uh, uh, include that in the Blu-ray but I believe they couldn't because there's so much different music that they didn't own you know what I mean uh, so but that's like so that's how I started from from that. Sorry. Wow. Now we can get to whatever the next question was. Well, no, I, and and now I'm so I'm interested. I know you've been asked a lot about the redesign, and so I'm just interested about it from your timeline's perspective. So when that trailer hit the internet for the first trailer that hit, um, there was obviously the backlash that created the movement to push the fil- film to a different date and obviously redesign the CGI. Um, I was curious when you saw that version of Sonic that animated version of Sonic before the internet The, the old or the new? The old. And I was curious, like, did you also have any hesitation about the way it looked prior to hearing internet backlash? The, the, way, that, the way that I saw it first, I think, was on the trailer. I had to do ADR on the actual trailer because uh, up until then it was all very temp. But I believe the trailer was very, very, it had to be done very quickly, I believe, or something like that. So the first time I saw it was then. Uh, and then when it came out, uh, when when it came out, um, and the reaction we got when it came out, I was like, um, first of all, we had no idea if anybody would care. Uh, we care. The the four of us here care because we like video games and movies. It seems, yeah. but um, that the biggest thing we learned from that is that when it came out, so many people were so vocal, and it became a huge thing. It got passed around so much. You know, may not have been the most positive reason why I was getting passed around, but it got passed around so much and so many people had such like heartfelt, passionate ideas from it that the biggest thing we got from that was like, oh, a lot of these people care a lot. You know what I mean? Let's let's look at this and figure it out. But um, uh, the first time I saw it was in the trailer for the ADR for ADR. And then when it came out, we were all or I was I was like, let's let's, you know, think about this and stuff like that. But but as you, know, you were I, doing the ADR, did you have any hesitation about the way it looked like? Did you think, oh, this maybe looks a little strange? Like, did you did you have those same thoughts? I think it was still so early that I was like. I was like, you know, the big thing I think they were trying to do was how do you bring Sonic into the real world? Cause he's a computer character. You can't just bring him in. So it's like, how, what, how will he look, you know, in a real life situation? So I think that's what they were tackling. So when they were showing me the trailer, they were explaining that. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, but I will say the new version. I, I, when I was doing my voice the whole time, I was doing it the way the new version looks. I was kind of in my head. That's the way it looked. Um, so when I saw the first one, uh, I was like, okay. But when I saw the second one, I was like, oh, this is in my head what this this little guy's been looking like the whole time. So, so this leads to an interesting question about fandom. Um, and, and I think that we fandom is 
obviously more extreme than it's ever been before now with the internet and social media, people can voice their opinions. And when that particular trailer hit, obviously we talk about the backlash. I'm happy the way it happened because the version that I saw that came out in February 14th was incredibly well done. And I'm happy that version exists and I'm happy that fans spoke out and it led to that redesign. But for you as an actor, where is that line? Uh, where's the line of when to give in to the fans, when not to give in to the fans? Uh, when does it become a dangerous, slippery slope to go down that path? I think it's very, I think that's a very interesting and smart question. I think you, you have to do it on a case-by-case basis because in our movie, it helped tremendously. I believe it helped tremendously. And I think it helped tell the story that was already there in a way better way because people weren't focusing on uh, the thing that kind of distracted them from the trailer. Instead, they were loving what the character looked like. And one of the ways that I say it now is that when you see the new character, it's it's a doll you want to buy. You know what I mean? And so it's like, you know, the kids can get more attached to it, stuff like that. But I think it has to be a case-by-case basis because if everybody releases something and and a series of people say, I hate this, da 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 um, it's hard to change your own art unless you agree with them or you understand them or something like that because you don't want it to affect everything. I remember when the Turtles, when the Turtles movie came out, um, I remember there was so much backlash on those the Michael Bay Turtles, but then when the movie came out, it did great, and people forgot about it. And I don't think, I, and I think that version of the Turtles, as someone who's played Leonardo and as someone who I think punched up some turtle stuff in my time, uh, writing wise, it's like I saw those at the beginning. I was like, eh, I don't know, and then the movie just works. That, then that's that iteration uh, of that. So I think there are things that we we were the positive aspect of this, but I I, I wouldn't want everything to be influenced. Um, but also it was like, it was very, there was a lot. Uh, it wasn't just like one or two people saying something. It was, uh, the majority of people or, you know, half the people. So when the numbers are that big, it's, you have to listen. Uh, one of the things that I've always learned from taking notes or even from like the way that my dad, my dad, and mom kind of raised me is that you always listen and then you, you decide if you want to act upon it, but why would, why wouldn't you just listen, um, at the beginning you know, and then you can make your decision how you want to move forward. And so I think that's kind of how it's going to have to go. Um, and uh, luckily, all of us were on the same page with that, I believe. I'm very we we lucked out. But I, I have to imagine that in the future, I don't know. I don't know what happens now because it it influenced it and it worked. So I don't know what happens. It's kind of a blueprint now of that happening and, and helping a film. So I'm not quite certain what happens after this. Um, it's literally a blueprint. Nicely done, man. Sorry. You can leave, Kevin. Thanks, Thank, man. Thanks, thanks for coming guys. by. That's pretty, that's pretty really good, cool yeah. to see you. He's an <laughs> asshole, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. Wait, what'd Just you guys say? <laughs> no, nothing, man. You look great. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks. Speaking of, of fans and sort of what they feel like they're owed, um, I promise this isn't a name drop, but, but Steve Carell told me in an interview one time that basically he's done saying that's what she said to people. He said, people have been, you know, he said, I started the show 15 years ago and I still have people coming up on the street and now like, I'll let them say it, but like, I'm done. I'm done saying it to people. And you told me an interesting story whenever you and I spoke for Sonic, which is just like guys will come up to a, you in a bar and scream like, you're the worst, like in your ear. <laughs> and I'm just kind of curious, like you guys are, are several years removed from that show. Um, to what degree, like, are you done? So, like if, if a fan comes up to you on the street do you still feel like you kind of need to say that if they ask you to say it? And where is the line where you sort of go? You're like, you know what? Like, I'm done with that. I will often I'll always respond like I'll, anytime someone wants a picture, anytime wants. But very few people actually are like, hey, can you there are a lot of people, especially when you do press, because, you, you know, as you guys know, you're in that line. You get hundreds of people coming in and you want to make everybody happy. And 
Anytime you're in a situation where uh, the press is like what you guys do, which is oftentimes you come in, you have five, six minutes with someone and you know that uh, people like you, especially uh, Jake, and, uh, Jake and Kevin, who I've talked to Kevin about before, it's like when you come in, you come in prepared. You don't want that person. You want to give them time and make them feel like you're here for them and stuff like that because they're preparing for the, you know what I mean? You don't want to make it look like you've just talked to a hundred people, which you have, yeah. but like, you know, you want to give them their time, whatever. So see, we appreciate think, that by the way. You're very kind, but the same for like for fans and stuff. That's their first time kind of getting to meet you. And they, they do, they have a connection to you or a character you played. And so I'm always, anytime someone wants a picture, I do it, you know, unless it's someone asked me in the bathroom once, which was weird, but it's like, <laughs> so there was some, some, there's always, you know, weird extremes that are a bummer, but for the most part, it's people who watch parks or people who come to my improv shows are pretty like comedy friendly, cool people. And so it's like, uh, I'm, I'll always take a picture of that. Every now and then when people ask you to say the worst, you're right. It, it becomes like a, oh man, it's a little bit of a bummer. You're like, oh, okay. It would take, uh, it, 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 oftentimes what I say is, how about this? You say it and I'll be right behind you and we take the video. <laughs> and they'll be like, because they, <laughs> they won't say no. You know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Was that for, because of the show or because it's become such a meme? Like, was that, did that take off for immediately from when you did it in the episode? Well, the show wasn't very popular when it was on the air. Like, when okay. we were on the air, I felt the first, like, I started season two. I think probably people didn't really come up to me till like, season four or something like that. And then, okay. and even then, though, every season that we did was, I'm not sure if we're getting picked up or not. Um, right. I mean, I wasn't a lead, so I don't know the whole story, but that's what I was kind of hearing from that side. So sure. uh, I think when near the end, it got popular and then the Internet definitely helped because I guess that character is very uh, memeable, as you say, like a meme and stuff like that. Um, and then Netflix, I'm getting uh, kids like kids, like 10 year olds who love this character. And then they'll be like, I watch you on DuckTales and Parks and Rec. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a very interesting, it's very interesting, the whole the whole uh, idea. So you're right, there is there is a piece of you that's like, oh, when someone asks you to, like, cause also that guy, you know, John Ralphio is like a big, like a cartoon almost. Yeah. So it gets a little embarrassing to do it oftentimes, <laughs> but most time people just ask for a picture or they ask for this, for you guys yeah. to take a picture like yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is the next I, best thing. Yes. And I mean, yeah. I just did a TV show with Corel Space Force and it's coming out hopefully soon. And so oh, nice. it's like it, he's the best of all time. And you have to understand the office is huge. The office is like the number one show on Netflix yeah. and he yeah. is the star of the number one show on Netflix. Right. So it's like it's very different for me, who is Parks and Rec, which is very popular. But I'm also a guest star on that show. Um, I, I'm not anything like that. This Sonic is the first time where it's like I've had to leave a lot of voicemails for kids, but it's been a joy because they're kids. You know what I mean? And it's like and they and then people take videos of their kids like playing the voice note being like, hey, hey, what's going on, Sean? Happy birthday. You know what I mean? And the kid is like, <laughs> what? It's like such a different. Sean is going to clip that audio. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> That was the entire point of the question was to get you to say oh, that. Oh, crap. <laughs> no, I, I do. It's funny that you mentioned that because that, that's actually my, my follow up question is I, I, I want to talk about whenever you play the lead uh, for a movie, but you don't your face isn't obviously in the movie. It's your voice. And I think about back in the day when I was a kid and I was watching movies that had animated characters and my mom would point out, you know, I was like four or five and Aladdin came out. and My mom would like point at Robin Williams to be like, hey, like that's the genie. I'm like, no, that's not. Like that's mm -hmm. not like I, I just I couldn't comprehend that. So do kids? I, I don't know if this is the right word, but do they get that you're Sonic, or does it take some some like finessing? Does it take a little bit of exp explaining sort of how it works for for kids? 
Yeah, you cut out a little bit, but I, I think I got the question. For, for the way that I figured out the best way to do it is by leaving a voice note. So they don't ever have to see my face because then they could look at they could they know what Sonic looks like in the movie. So I'll literally go on voice memos on my phone and I'll I'll say happy birthday or something. If someone's sick or any, I'll do that. And then I'll text uh, the file and I'll text it with the kid's name. So like because oftentimes I want to pass it around or whatever. And so um, I realized that if I put my face in it, they don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. But so I don't get any of the glory personally. <laughs> but. But it, it to see them go bananas and to see their pa- like the parents like thank like it's means more to them than to the kid because the parents yeah. are like oh my goodness you, I can't tell you you know he was he's been sick all week and all he wanted to do is see this movie and he wasn't able to see it he's watched the trailer five thousand times so they're like him just watching that it, may, it you know so but you're it's by the way it's great also for me I was addicted to animation growing up I didn't I didn't know who was doing half those voices at all. Um, and then I'll do now later on you of course do because I love whatever but like Lion King when I met Jeremy Irons for the first time Ugh. I didn't rem- I was like oh motherfucker that's Scar that's fucking Scar yeah so it's like yeah. for me uh, for me it's like oh but uh, as a kid you're right how would you ever there's so much that needs oh, yeah. to happen in your brain to understand that dude this is a really random poll but what are the odds that you've seen the inside the actor's studio with the Simpsons cast Oh, I've seen a little bit of it. I have seen a little bit of it. Where they were stacked like uh, two. Yes, they're stacked and they and they run through their characters, especially Hank Azaria. Like he runs through his characters and it, it just blows my mind. So there, when the first, uh, uh, I have it over there, but I can get it for you for the, the first, when I started doing anything, when I was at UCB and, uh, and Chelsea and, uh, you know, nobody would come see me. I was an intern there. I was a bartender there. I was, you know, taking classes. I was a Letterman page. I was freelancing modeling jokes for Letterman. The very beginning, I gave myself three uh, dream goals, like, you know, like bucket list things that I wanted to do. One of them was to be a voice in The Simpsons. Uh, one of them was to um, be a guest on David Letterman because I was a page there. So I was like, if I could somehow get from where I was, where you stand in the back, helping people to the bathroom to on that stage, that would just be right. huge. And third one was to host SNL. And so uh, Simpsons won. I got to do I was a guest on Letterman right before he ended. For wow. Hustle wow. And um, and I was a voice on The Simpsons. And I also did this. I don't know if you ever saw it, but you if you're a big Simpsons nerd, I'm a huge Simpsons nerd. Um, I did this thing when it went to FXX where um, I stayed up like and just watched all of it with all the writers and my friends. And uh, we did it on YouTube. But, um, you know, like that's how I met Josh. And that's how Matt Selman came in and like all and all these huge people who've influenced me. By the way, some of the best books I have right here is uh, Schwarzwelder wrote these series of detective novels. And right. they're amazing. Uh, if you want to go there, I think he's, I don't know, he might, he might self, oh no, Kenny Dale books, whatever that is. But so okay. regardless, but so, um, uh, I went to a table read before that because I got invited to just look at a table read and I got emotional just listening to them do the characters. I like yeah. teared up just because I had listened to them my entire life yeah. and I, I, it made me a better writer. It made me like everything. So like hearing all of them there, seeing all of them there was one thing, but hearing them do the voice, like you're, I find that the older I get, the more I like to, um, feeling such joy at a stuff that I felt joy as a kid. So playing like Chrono Trigger when I finally could for the first time in 20 years because of quarantine or like uh, going to Disneyland, which, you know, we, we didn't get to go as a kid, maybe once or twice or watching old Disney movies. Those things bring me yeah. such 
joy. And The Simpsons is one of those things. I would fall asleep. It would be my movie. It would be my show that I would fall asleep watching too because I knew the words so well mm. that I didn't have to. It's like, you know, if you watch a new something, you're listening to the words. But if yeah. I, I know all those Simpsons episodes so well that I can fall asleep to it. I'm going to steal Kevin's thunder just for a second because it sort of transitions to one, something I wanted to get into, which is I'm obsessed with talking to comedians who do um, voice work. And mm-hmm. you've done a lot of it over the years. But to me, it seems like everything that is necessary for voice work strips away everything that makes you funny um, timing and, you know, a, a live element and being able to bounce. Like you hear people talk about voice work and they're like, sometimes you just do the same line over and over, you know. So w- what have you learned about voice work and comedy that that you're like makes you better at it now than when you started on like turbo or something? Great question. So like the first thing I ever did was like a, a small. Well, first I did voiceover commercials. Uh, and failed a very long time before that, you know, so you, it's hard to break into voiceover, by the way. And especially at the beginning, like uh, now I have a tiny bit of a name, but before, you know, I had nothing. So like I was a guest star on Tron. Um, and I think a guy named Aaron Drown from Disney television had seen my improv shows. Uh, Aaron Drown is responsible for so many voiceover people's careers and people probably don't know who he is, but he's a Disney guy. No kidding. And he, wow. he's, he's wonderful. I hope, by the way, that whole Disney television group has been very kind to me. Um, but the, uh, so he gave me Randy Cunningham. He was the person that brought, first of all, he brought me in the room for a ton of stuff. I didn't, I couldn't get anything, but what I would do and the way that I want to stand out is in my head, I was saying the same page that everybody else was saying, but for me, I can improvise a little bit, right? So I, anytime I auditioned, I would play with the, the back and the end of it. I play with the words a little bit, um, to have a take so that he can have that. And so people could see that I could do that. Um, I would ask beforehand if it's okay. And if someone says, okay, I would do that because for me, I'm not like, you know, Rob Paulson can do a bill. He's a man of a billion voices. He could truly do a billion voices. Uh, me, I could do, I could do different voices. And a lot of people don't know that oftentimes when I do a TV show, I'm ancillary characters that only have three lines, but you wouldn't know because I'm doing totally different voices. But when it's like, when I get hired, it's oftentimes to do a version of myself, whether it's very excited or like, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, there's a Netflix show now that I'm doing that I play a character and then I play the character's imaginary friend. So those are two wildly different wow. voices. But oftentimes it's, but also then you talk to yourself, you know, like as you talk like this and then you talk to the whatever. But um, the things that I learned are one, I bring, I bring improv to it at the beginning stage because uh, then whatever. Two, you become, you learn that your voiceover appearance, people are going to animate to. So you have to bring all your energy to it. You can't be self-conscious that people are looking at you. I, I go bananas. Like Sonic, I, I'm going bananas. When I'm running, I'm running in real life. When I'm pointing or what I'm doing, I'm like, I got a fish on my head. Like I'm doing every, <laughs> I'm doing everything. So like, because for me as an improviser and a comedian, that's how I kind of learned how to do my stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, one of the things is I learned, I improvise and then you realize if I'm doing, Randy Cunningham was a 11 minute show, I think. So you can't improvise as in length. You can improvise within the words or like add little things, but I can't add like 20 seconds because that costs yeah, yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. So yeah. you learn how to, you, timing is actually big on it because you can, yeah, I mean, it's huge on it because you could, I'm, I'm usually by myself and I record. So the director or the writers would do the other lines and then you'd go back and forth with them. And I always ask them to run lines and they're in my ears. 
uh, when we're doing it, I do it live instead of me just saying my lines and pausing because I like act. It feels like I'm acting. So I, I learned my timing off of that and learned that, you know, like when you can improvise, when you can't improvise, when you can go crazy. And then you learn from the shows like Randy Cunningham. They're like, hey, remember when you do like a Seinfeld type read? Do that for this. Or like for DuckTales, it's like, all right, now go sing, a, make this a song or, you know what I mean? Like make or whatever, you know, like even in, <laughs> even in Parks and Rec, they would write the line and then sing songy. And there was never any direction. It was just whatever you wanted to do. All the line said was like the worst and sing songy or like got run over by Alexis and sing songy. And then I would, <laughs> I would do it. And then I remember when they hired Jenny, they're like, Hey, just so you know, your brother in this sings like this and da da da. So if you want to, and so we ended up doing that a bunch too, but oh, that's so awesome. There, there's a lot of room within it. But, uh, I mean, I've met some people like there's this guy, Eric Bowser, who's a voiceover genius. He's just a genius. He can do in DuckTales. He does all the Beagle Boys and then in Turtles, he does Splinter. And then he's doing all these things where I can do that a little bit, but he can do it for like a hundred characters where I could probably give you like seven or eight totally different characters. Um, yeah. but oftentimes when someone hires me now, they want, a version. They don't want it to sound insane. They want it to sound like uh, a human, an exaggerated version of a human. They don't want me to, you know, you know they don't want that. They want like a whatever. Um, so, but that's a good question. Uh, these are great questions. You guys are great. Oh, that's awesome. I, I am very fascinated by your BB-8 story. Um, I have found this to be so interesting. I was watching a Reddit AMA recently where you were giving a backstory about the BB-8 story and how you did the voice for BB-8. Um, I know that I believe on the set or when you did the actual voice for BB-8, you did dialogue, actual yeah. words that were then turned into the beeps and bops. Um, but you tell a great story about how it was edited with the sound of your actual dialogue. Can you talk about what you were actually saying as BB-8, that was then translated. It's been, like, the, it's been the great mystery, Kevin. You're trying to get it. That's the great <laughs> mystery. The great mystery is what I said during BB-8. If what was my voice? Uh, but you, there's a video on the DVD where you see me talking, and they they have a little bit of it, and I forget what it is, but it, it was just like it's kind of my voice and a little bit higher. Um, but we started the way that that started was obviously what you said, and then JJ wanted to put heart into. He's like, I want it to like. I want you to know when BB-8's sad. I want you to know when BB-8's happy. So let's have you say real lines and we'll turn them, we'll give that to Lucasfilm and we'll have them, or ILM, and we'll have them make them to beeps and boops. So we wrote dialogue and I got to go to London. They flew me to London and I got to, because they needed it for the toys. That's what they needed it for. Wow. I mean, the toys <laughs> they need that far in advance. So it's not even a matter of we need it for the movie right now. It's like, hey, they're going to make these toys pretty soon. So these are manufactured blank in the future. So we, so we would write all this stuff and JJ, I've been so lucky that JJ and I have been collaborators. We did, you know, that wrong man's pilot together and he put me in undercovers and I helped him write some stuff every now and then. And uh, we just, he's just one of my close friends. I wrote his, uh, his kid's college uh, essay. Uh, who's the, by the way, his kid is, first of all, all of his kids are geniuses. His, his daughter, Gracie's like a pop artist or a real artist. That's going to be like huge, but his, uh, his son, Henry is an incredible writer and they wrote this Spider-Man comic together. I don't know how nerdy you guys oh, are. I just started reading that. Yeah. I actually they, just read that first issue. It's on Marvel. They crushed. Now. Yeah. I bought them. I bought them because I'm a fan. And also yeah. I love, so, uh, so I love that whole, that whole family I think is incredibly special and lovely. But, uh, so I went there and JJ and we were, we write lines for him, I would go in a little office. What uh, were the lines in, based on, though? They, were they based on the actor's reactions already? He would. So, by the way, the way that it really started was Harrison Ford hurt his foot. So Harrison Ford, remember the door fell oh, on yeah, Harrison right. Ford's yeah, foot? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Harrison Ford hurt his foot. Yeah. So JJ and everybody had to go home. JJ came home and he's like, hey, I'm coming home in two days. 
Um, so we have some time to figure this out. Uh, this is what I was thinking. He showed me the picture of BB-8, like he showed me the drawing, and then he said, and he goes, also, I'll show you the stuff we filmed, and let's do it off of one of the, fi- the scenes we filmed. We were in a mall in Santa Monica, and I'm like, and he has his, he has his special, uh, I don't know, I don't think it was an iPad. It was a version of an iPad that has yeah, the directors footage. directors have a very special yes. one. And it's, yeah. it's like just the footage from Star Wars, and he has it in his hand. Like, no, it doesn't exist outside of hard drives and this. And he's yeah. just like, we're in the middle of this mall. And he's like, all right, let me show you some stuff. I go here. And he's like, nobody cares. <laughs> JJ in the middle of the mall. Makes no sense. It was, it was amazing. And he showed me and he was right. Nobody cared. Nobody bothered us. You know what I mean? No, nobody cared. And I was like, God, if anybody, cause this was before seven came out. So people had no idea what the movie was. Right. And yeah. he was like, it was amazing. So he showed me this stuff and it was very emotional. Of course. I was like, Oh, and then he's like, this is what I'm thinking. Then we go to Bad Robot and we tried some stuff out, <coughs> tried, tried words. And uh, he saw I, I did it against the screen. So I saw the actual scene uh, that they had edited together because the people uh, edit the assemblies very quickly, especially on big movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did. We saw that we saw a rough assembly of it. And I would say lines opposite where BB-8, the guys were holding BB-8 and making a move. So I would add lines and we go back and forth. JJ gave me a bunch. Then I would do it and I would show him and we would tweak it. And then they would send it to ILM and it came back. And you could kind of hear that it was a human becoming beeps. Oh, He's like, ah. Oh. And he goes, you know what? We got to figure this out. Come to London because he went back to London. I was like, yeah, you got it. No problem. <laughs> Come to London. <laughs> Let this be the first ever business class trip I've ever taken to London in my goddamn life. Uh, and maybe the third time I've ever been out of the country or something like that. So, uh, so I went to London and um, – we did. There's a little room where Matt Evans was the editor, uh, and we were doing it. And then Matt Evans also showed me that he had all the original sound and you know he had all the original everything's that he could edit with, uh, and he also had the scenes without anything. So I then made Matt Evans show me old uh, four, five, and sixes, and oh. I do I do voices for R two D two, and then pretend JJ that I'm going to show him BB eight, but it's just like. R2D2 being like, what's going on, guys? You know, something like that. Um, but we would go back and forth and we'd try to figure it out and I'd write stuff and I'd send it to him. And I was allowed to go. I had a pass allowed me to go on set, so I'd go on set. There's pictures of me with BB-8 in the thing, but nobody can find them, which is my – I because they take them, but I'm not allowed to bring them home and someone else yeah, is taking them. So I didn't get any of those, none of those. So I was like, oh, I wish I had broken – I was too afraid to break the rules and get thrown out of – London or whatever. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm going to leave London. Get out of London. Episode nine, I'm stealing insulation from the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> and they just but, reused um, your boot, your beeps and boops from to eight and nine after that. They just, no, I, in the end, I don't even think they, so we did it for a while and we didn't quite get it. And then this guy, uh, uh, Robbie Stambler, who's great. I hope one day you guys get to interview him because he also did the sound for 10 Cloverfield Lane, which oh, yeah. the sound design for that. It's amazing. And he's kind of a genius and he comes from a lineage of great people do this and he's just a wonderful wonderful guy so him and i were in a room in la um just trying everything and he brought in huge machines and synthesizers and then i got this movie called the intervention which uh uh clea duvall uh directed and i had to go and when i left they brought bill Hader in then bill Hader used synthesizers with jj not robbie and then in the end i think literally jj found like a way to use an app on an on something and to create those. So I don't know if there's 0% of us in that or 50% of us in what happened. Um, but it, I mean, the fact that they put me on the scroll was 
I mean, that's crazy. So that that was that. So I we oh, there's a whole bunch of different lines. Get and those then Lucasfilm checks. That's how you yeah. know. <laughs> oh my god. Then they they um they they uh we did that um. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. It was probably stupid. I forget. But Robbie Stambler, Matt Evans was the editor that I was with. And we were in tiny room. It's so funny. You think about how crazy that type of movie is. It's me and Robbie in a tiny little room. And it's me and Matt Evans in a room with no windows, trying everything, looking at each other, being like, can you believe we're doing this? And all of us at the same time, like, this is amazing, right? Uh, it was that. We do that all the time. So great. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to add just a couple more that we're going we're gonna to cut you loose. Yeah. Um, are you okay on time, Ben? I know you, We. I don't want to. Uh, keep I'm supposed doing. to be writing. You're literally taking me from the thing I've been telling you I've been procrastinating from. Perfect. All right, Jake, go. <laughs> um, you know, whenever I was looking through your filmography to, to get ready for the interview, the first thing that hit me was just how vast and uh, just how, how you know, uh, eccentric it is. There's so many different things. But the thing that really stood out to me is the amount of legends that you've been able to stand next to and work with. I mean, when you look at Jim Carrey and Henry Winkler and Billy Crystal, and I'm curious about, like, comedy legends in particular, since you are a, a man of comedy. Those are guys that, that have such different styles and they're different kind of people. But is there a through line? Is there a common thread in comedy legends that no matter how different they are as people or, or as comedians that like they all have in common? Great question, man. And by the way, that's something that I actually uh, do on purpose. I like, there's a role with that Jeremy Irons is a perfect example. Script, I was like, that's pretty good. But I was like, I get to work with Jeremy Irons. And then Billy yeah. Crystal, I was like, this script is, is Peter Horror wrote that script. And that movie ended up doing so, like, I'm so happy people watch Standing Up, Falling Down. But uh, the reason I do that movie is because Billy Crystal's in it. And then he calls me and he says, I want you to do this movie with me. And I'm, I'll do anything you want. And we helped Peter uh, rewrite the script a little bit. And then it was in a place where Billy's like, I like it now. Let's do it. I was like, yeah, of course. Whatever you want. Of course. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I found out is that it's hard work. And it's a lot of the things that I'm uh, – it's that they work hard rather. And it's a lot of the things that I've seen with everybody. You look at uh, Don Cheadle. You know, you look at Carrie. You look at all those guys. Uh, Billy Crystal. It's they work their asses off, man. They And I, I pride myself in being a very hard worker as well. So one of the things that I've looked at all those people are, is that it's not just that they're funny and they became successful. It's that they're very, very funny and they work really hard and they're passionate. Billy, right after our movie, he went to direct something else and we talk about that. And, and before we did any scene, Billy and I would run it a couple times and find the perfect rhythm for it. Same with House of Lies. The four of us would get in a room right before the scene. Like we'd rehearse it and change stuff on the day and really find the groove. Um, it, it's, it's, it's all that stuff. So it's, they're, they're hard workers. And I think the harder you work, people say it all the time, the harder you work, the luckier you get. But it doesn't take skill. And Billy had a great line once, which he's like, never let them see you working. So put in all your work beforehand. Don't let them see you like really, like really working so hard on the day. Do all your stuff. So when it's the, when it's the day of man, you get to, you the get to just speaks for you. Wow. I, th I think that's it. It's like you get on stage and you perform and they can see the work that you've done through just like, Oh, you know what? He's very, for standing up, falling down, I really wanted all those scenes to feel like a camera just happened to be there while two people are talking and it worked because I think Billy and I really worked on those scenes and played with them and stuff like that. Um, but then you look at something else and it's like there's this a bajillion dollar properties is this thing I did. And there's a scene with me, Ryan Gall and Drew Tarver, and it's totally improvised. And the reason why that's so fun and good is that uh, we've done improv for 20 years together separately. We put in the work before and now, you know what I mean? So I think the idea of really working your butt off, if you love it and you care about it, you all three, of you care about what you do and you care about you love movies. So it's like you could tell. I feel like you could feel it. Um, but I have been very uh, very lucky. And I go after that. And also there's a piece of my career, especially um, throughout my whole career. It's like 
voices that I feel like may not have enough attention, like uh, me doing undercovers, the idea that it was two African-American leads on an NBC show, which didn't really happen. And then the next option I had after that was House of Lies, the idea that there's multi-generational African-American families where it's Glenn Turman and Don Cheadle, and I work with Don, uh, that for someone, uh, for a Jewish kid that grew up in the Bronx, like this is stuff that I'm very proud to be a part of uh, that I can point to and show like how cool that I was in a show that, you know, exemplified something cool like this. Um, and stuff like that, but also like, I, I really, I, I flock towards people that inspire me. So Greg Daniel, Steve Carell, do whatever they want. You want me in space force? Yeah, of course. Literally. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, great, whatever you want and, and, and so on and, uh, so forth. All right, we're going to get you out of here on one last question. But before we do that, tell people about your Netflix special because it's coming out soon. Oh, great. Yes. Middle uh, bitch, I, yeah. I'll, I'll plug all this stuff now. So uh, April 21st, Middle Edition Schwartz, we're doing th- we did three comedy specials. They're long form improv. They're not stand up. They're not sketch. What happens is we get out on stage. We recorded it uh, in December at NYU. We get out on stage. We talk to an audience member, not planned beforehand about anything they, that we ask them. What are you looking forward to? What are you dreading? Uh, someone's like, oh, I have an interview coming up. We talk to them about that for about five minutes. That's it. Nobody else talks for the rest of the time. We create an entire show, almost like if you guys think about it, like a movie, of one through line throughout the whole thing, 50 minutes uh, per show. And we make up every single thing, every character, everything. Nothing is planned beforehand. Um, and uh, we did three of those. And we're, we did uh, four of them and then we're, to release three. So we just cut one. And uh, we have three of them and they're coming out April 21st. And it's a huge deal for us. Because, you know, a long form improv, there's like two or three specials or anything out there. And one is a documentary. One is when ASCAT tried to do uh, something. I did one. I did an improv special with House of Lies. But those were people that aren't uh, improvisers as much as, you know, uh, Cheadle and you know what I mean? Um, so this is like the first time for me that it's like, this is what we've been doing for 20 years. This is what we do when we get on stage. When we're touring, when we do Carnegie Hall, when we do Chicago Theater, when we do the Met. This is the show we're doing, and we're uh, Netflix is allowing us to do it as a long form improv special, which very rarely happens, like yeah. very rarely. So uh, I really hope it catches on because not only do we get to do more, but then like for improv, there's very little place to go outside of your tiny little 100 person theater. Sure. So, so like it's it, it'll like open that up a bit. Well, speaking of speaking of improv, I actually am interested in knowing this because with an improv audience and, and just kind of helping to promote that, but also with, with improv audiences, you have an audience there telling you what's funny, essentially, if they're laughing or not laughing. Instant gratification. Um, yeah. Right. So when you're playing to a Netflix crowd who's on their couch at home watching your comedy, is there an adjustment to how you deliver your jokes, knowing that someone at home is watching it versus someone in a crowd may have other people around them to laugh with? Great them? question. Great question. The biggest thing is that the, the people are told is that improv doesn't really translate because you have to be in the room. And the way that we play it is the way that we learn to play it to big crowds. We play the same exact fucking thing. We, pl- we don't mm. change it. We do what we've been doing for a long time. We tried it from these 100 person crowds and 300. Now we're doing 3,600 and we don't change a thing of what we do. And I think that's what's great. But the other thing that we did in this special, which um, I think will re- we'll, we'll hopefully let you see is we got nine cameras. There is like oh, wow. so many cameras because we wanted things to play in scenes. So the thing that you get from this that you don't see in our big shows is you get to see our faces and our minute expressions cool. or like when Thompson are doing characters to really see it. So it's not just a wide and we're just following a wide. We have crosses. But that changes the comedy being that close it's, up on your face. So that the editing for this special is choosing angles 
And also from the beginning, instead of making it a 15 minute us interviewing someone, we cut that 15 minutes to five because that's not the improv part. That's just us talking. And we didn't want people to think that the whole show was just us talking to someone. So we we truncated that to like five. So it's not, you know, because in the beginning, before we even interview someone, we play around with the audience and just talk to people for a bit. Or we just like joke around. So we cut all that stuff out. If you want to see that, you come to our shows and we're just, you know, we're the same improv. We're just messing around. And then um, we cover the hell out of it because we wanted it to look good and we wanted it to look professional because you look at Kevin Hart specials, you look at all these like huge specials, um, they look gorgeous and they look cool yeah. and they look epic. And we wanted our, we wanted long form improv to get that same chance. So we really shot it with like great cameras, a ton of, ca- all, all of our money went into the cameras and stuff like that and the setup um, because we wanted it to be good uh, if that many people are going to watch it. So uh, that's one of the things I think that are going to help it translate is that the, what you get by seeing it on Netflix is a cinematic experience of what would like how you're seeing things. Like if it's someone reacting like this off the line, we have a close up of Thomas or I going like this. Cool. So I, I think that'll translate well. And yeah, that's um, awesome. That's awesome. I'm very I'm so excited for people to see it because Thomas and I also have no idea because. Uh, maybe 70% of the world has no idea what long form improv is. They may have seen whose line is it anyway, but this is nothing like that. This is two people making up a play or a movie or whatever on stage. So it's like, we have no idea how people are going to react. So it's a very, we're like nervous and excited, um, but we're happy with how they came we out. We have a captive audience yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. I'll just do the whole thing now. Um, but it is, it, it is interesting that uh, it, that whole thing will be uh Interesting. I hope that people dig it. And I think it's a good representation of what we do for long form, which is basically all we're trying to show. Yeah. And you actually it's funny. You mentioned nine cameras. Scorsese used nine cameras on the Irishman, which is like insane. Nine cameras is a lot. That's a, that's a really. How? How did he put? Apparently it might have been six. It might have been seven cameras or six. Cameras. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, well, seriously, man, we were really looking forward to seeing the show. The improv sounds amazing. Uh, we want to say you. thank you so much for taking this. Oh, time. Sonic. Sonic is out on digital tomorrow or I guess yes. not right now. All right. Well, you know what? It's, it's out this week. Yes. Then yes I, will, this week. I will end on this because I because I, I wanted to ask this and I, and I think the audience will find this interesting um, because Kevin, I'm, you set this up. You set this whole thing up. There's a lot of pressure on this last question. Well, and then, Sean, can you play us out with the tune? Uh, yes. Sure. Good Very great. And I, right. I want to say sh- that thank you to Ben, by the way, because I, I, I DM'd Ben on Instagram and he was and he responded and came on the show. This is the whole reason this happened. So thank you. But with and Sonic, by the way, I, I never, ever check my DMs. But because of quarantine, <laughs> I like because when you're uh, the, the DMs don't come up like it becomes like um, it just goes in a little grouping that says uh, like the DMs of your friends come up. But then the people that aren't you're not friends with, which I've, yeah. I've unfollowed almost everybody on Instagram because I don't want to waste a lot of time there. So it's like because um, Twitter I spend too much time on. The um uh so you never look at the ninety nine other people which are usually fans or because you just there's it, it updates so much um and I happen to click it and you happen to have a blue check mark in it and so like an asshole I looked at your picture I was like oh cat this is like the guy who I just told I we just interviewed and I just talked about how much I love your interviews and stuff like that and uh so I didn't get to till months afterwards I think right no 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 you responded like like a month or two after that but the actual real blend request was a couple weeks ago and you got right back to it oh yeah because I, I really by the way once you accept it. it it goes into your friends, then you can see it all the time. So what you're saying, the life lesson is slide into those DMs. <laughs> no, don't. I never do it. I even told Kevin in and I go, it took me a month because I literally never look at these because I just like, I can't, I can't do it. It wastes too much time. I'm sliding into the DMs right serious, now. No, serious crap. last question for you. Um, with the movie hitting VOD on Tuesday, uh, I know you did facial capture for some of the sequences, which I love. When you watch the movie... What is the scene where you see your face the most? 
Oh, the, the the facial capture you did that you go. That's what I did on the day. I don't know. I know the fish on my head thing became very. You could really see me in that also. And also, I told him I'm copying this Jim Carrey line from Dumb and Dumber uh, oh. when our pets heads are falling off. So they, they the animators who were amazing got to see all that. That one's definitely that one definitely has me. But there's a bunch of little things. There's a bunch of little things that they did, whether it was just looking at video of me recording or uh, the dots. But that one, uh, that one, when I look at, I, I believe uh, you see that stuff. That's cool. Cool, man. Thank you for doing that. Hey, th- thank you guys so much. What a fun little thing this is. This was great, man. Seriously, thank fun. you so much. You're a good guy. We did this it. This one's called uh, Fish on My Head. Great. <laughs> Play us out, Sean. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for joining the uh, Real Blood Podcast, man. Listen, we didn't get to Quentin Tarantino time, but we did pretty well. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.